Oh yeah. Um, sorry about the delay. Um, just I feel like I've uh, bitten off more than I can chew a little bit, but I'm gonna persevere and um, sort of uni and everything like that. Um, so this next episode is gonna be the pen- penultimate. Um, can't say it right, but anyway, um, episode. Um, it's gonna be a long one, so hang on. Um, I want to do three parts, and uh, just because doing stuff in threes feels good. Um. As per Charlie, if you've ever seen Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So let's continue. Um, yes, yeah, so Morrison's rattled. Um, so last time we left off, uh, Morrison was sentenced and um, they saw the only band's attorney files an appeal and the band is sort of limbo about if it's going on with legal issues. Okay, so cool. Morrison's rattled, um, not just by the fear of jail time, but also because he just realised that he is not invincible. And I do think it's the first time in a long time, maybe in his life, that he actually realises this. Um, I'll talk a little bit later about his accidents. Um, but yeah, he did a lot of sort of tomfoolery, being drunk, Jimbo. He did a lot of physical damage to himself. But I think he sort of the first time he sort of realised that he could be trapped perhaps um, yeah so he can be touched and, and as well he's been held accountable um, by the rules of others just like everybody else he's not being um, held to a sort of standard way and get away with things because he's pretty he's actually having to face consequences now so America uh, much like the doors are in a sense of panic at the moment um, just with the country and social structure the country was inflicted by various events of violence most notably the Manson murders I would like to go into um, the Manson murders um, but that's going to be a very different episode that's a very niche topic for me which I know a lot about and I'm going to do another episode um, which is actually based on an article I'm writing about how they relate to the music of the 60s obviously as you know, um, Manson was a quote-unquote musician. Um, one of his songs actually used by the Beach Boys was actually spurned the whole thing of what happened with the, with the tape and, and the Bianchi murders. Um, other tragedies soon befell America. Martin Luther King was shot dead on the 4th of April 1968. Robert F. Kennedy was also shot on the 6th of June 1968. And then, of course, there were tragic deaths of um, Morrison's friends, of um, friends of the band, uh, most notably Hendrix and Joplin. Also what happened this year was a shooting at Kent State University. There's a very famous shooting. Uh, if you go go type in Kate, Kent, <laughs> Kent State University photo, it's very famous. Even if you don't know what happened, you will have seen this photo before. Uh, so on May 4th, 1970, four unarmed students were shot dead and nine more were wounded. Um, this is because of gathering. It took place at Kent State University. It was the process of the Vietnam War and the expanding of the war into what was neutral Cambodia. Um, the National Guard were there. They were present at the gathering and they shot seven, 67 rounds in 13 seconds, killing and wounding, wounding the students. The students' names... It was very important to give him an identity where Alison Beth Cross, she was 19 years old, Jeffrey Glenn Miller, 20 years old, Sandra Lee Schuer, 20 years old, William Knox Schroeder, age 19. If you don't know the shootings, again, you've seen the famous photo, 
um, that won the Pulitzer Prize um, to, um, and it was of a, Mary, a lady called Mary Ann Veacher, and she was kneeling over the body of victim Jeffrey Miller just minutes after he was shot, and he was the 20-year-old I spoke about earlier. Um, the shooting marked the first time a student had been killed in an anti-war gathering in the U.S. The aftermath left even more mistrust from the youth when the biggest student pr protest was held for the first time, for the time, for the time, sorry. More than four million students participated in organized walkouts. Um, this is of universities, colleges and high schools up and down the country in America. It was called the Student Strike of 1970. As always, um, violence is very much a main theme in The Doors music. The Doors did not perform in Woodstock on August 15th uh, to the 18th, 1969, obviously a very famous festival. They did, however, play the Isle of Wight Festival here in the UK in 1970. And the performance was legendary and became a live album, um, live at Isle of Wight Festival in 1970. Um, obviously, go forward after Morrison's death and the doors disbanding there's been a lot of lot of um live albums released and live concerts released on DVD um the Hollywood Bowls on DVD I believe um so yeah the live albums released on February 23rd 2018 the festival was held at Isle of Wight in the UK where the band flew um flew to they're still pending the appeal as well um, it was held between the 28th to the 31st of August 1970 at Afton Dawn. I haven't been there. I'd like to go to Isle of Wight. Other acts that played there were Jefferson Aeroplane, T-Rex, Joe Cocker and Bob Dylan. Uh, this was the first performance after his motorcycle accident. And, um, and the Who, sorry. The festival was placed to... Um, a lot of protests. So, so the festival placed a lot of protests from the fans. Um, so they sh they believed it should be free, uh, whereas other parties like promoters and police did not think so. Um, other opposition came from um, the well-to-do, who sort of vacationed on the Isle of Wight. They did not like the influx of hippies or freaks in their vacation island. Um, because of this, the venue was... Um, the venue was changed, which in turn allowed for fans to watch for free due to the number and height of hills surrounding the area of Afghan Down. Um, this conflict led to sections um, to the Isle of Wight Country Council Act 1971, um, so being inputted to control further large gatherings overnight. So renting farmland for possible festivals is harder to obtain after this festival. And they now had to be subject to the decisions of the local council committees, which are full of residents who disapproved of the festivals and hippies. In American history, um, a new prisoner taker like Richard Nixon, who was revered as he was influential, famously ending the Vietnam War in 1973. His war on drugs left him hated amongst the counterculture. Um, meanwhile, back with the Doors World, Morrison is deeply depressed by the sudden deaths of his co contemporaries, Hendrix and Joplin. His friend Michael McClure helps him out of his slump and helps his first um, collection of poems, The Lords Ever New Creatures. This get pub published by Publishing House Simon & Schuster. Uh, the title of um, uh, this podcast or one of the episodes is taken from that book. It's called... Um, 
I drink second dog to assholes. This includes me. I think we can all relate to this, to be quite honest. Um, <laughs> this is a dream come true from Morrison, who once stated that nothing is as sensual as poetry and song. The new decade is a new start for the band, and they start recording Morrison Hotel. Um, this season going back to their roots of blues, and the album goes gold in two days as part of basically their pattern now. Obviously, we see this broken for one album, um, but when they're going and they're going good, they're breaking records, they're going gold. This is their, um, their fifth studio album, and Fam C a return to their home. Um, it's produced again by producer, fans producer Paul A. Rothschild. The album not featuring hit singles, um, but featured this on Peace Frog. Um, obviously, previously spoken about this, uh, about the lyrics about Jim's exposure. Um, to the dead Native American who he thinks came into his soul and therefore made him, became a shaman. Um, so back to their roots, um, but Morrison's also up to his old tricks. So once the recording of Morrison Hotel had started, Morrison was actually arrested um, with a new flight jacking charge in November when he caused a disturbance on a flight to see the Rolling Stones in Phoenix, Arizona. Um, the charge had a $10,000 fine and up to 10 years in prison sentence. Fortunately, um, it was sorted out before the release of the album in February 9th, 1970. Jack Holzman um, encouraged them to make a new album. The next album was a big change as Paulo Rothschild did not produce this album. Jim is still drunk all the time, but now he has added cocaine, which is obviously a fantastic mix, um, but not very productive. The band is furious with Jim and has become bored with his antics. Rothschild is equally bored with Morrison's actions and at one time actually falls asleep at his console and realises that with five albums together it was time he left them for his own sanity really as well as the band's. His parting words were, the only way you'll survive is if you make this record yourselves. And with his parting wisdom, they took they turned to Bruce Botnick in in a state of shock, who would produce the album LA Woman. Botnick had plans for making the album, um, and he urges the band to just play and ignore everything else. John thinks that they are back to where they were, uh, where they are just playing music like they did at the forum. Mr. Mojo Rising um, is an anagram of Jim Morrison. His first heard in L.A. Woman. Densmore wanted to slow down the middle part of L.A. Woman, but Jim had his own idea and came up with a phrase after the band had finished recording a song. He scribbled it on a piece of paper and showed the band the phrase was Mr. Mojo Rising. And at 4 minutes 56, um, we first hear it, the phrase Mr. Mojo Rising is repeated like a chant nine times during a breakdown, intercepted by lyrics gonna got to keep on riding we also get to hear morrison scream or sit crone again when he yells riding riding with the lyrics where the little girls in the hollywood bungalows i would assume it's written about pam and the band records the rest of the album quickly with recording several songs a day botnick is skilled at distracting morrison like a hyperactive child he brings in jeffrey sheaf um elvis's bass player for morrison who is a big fan of elvis um, before he was replaced by Frank Sinatra's famed member of the Rat Pack, who um, Morrison loves. Um, the band wants the first single to be Love Her Madly, a sweet love song written by Krieger. 
um, offset by Ray's upbeat playing. But Robbie is not on board with this decision as he thinks that it is way too commercial for the doors. Sort of um, same scenario is like my fire. His choices rise on the storm. The creep-like atmosphere reminds me of the People of Strange writing. With lyrics like, there's a kill on the road, he's is squirming like a toad. The doors have definitely returned back to their dark mass um, that spurned their talent and back to their roots. The album was recorded quickly in only over a week. And again, all songs are credited to the doors and not the individuals, as it was when tensions were rising when they were recording a soft parade. The album's released on April 19th, 1971 and is praised by critics who call it the Doors Comeback album. December 8th, 1970, marks Jim's birthday. He's 27th, and unfortunately he's last. He celebrates by recording his own poetry. His poetry helps him out of his depression after the death of Jimi Hendrix and Janet Joplin. And on December 12th, Morrison agrees to play a live show of the Doors. The show is in New Orleans, but introduces new songs from Elliot Woman as well as their songs from previous albums. The band feels like they're finally um, back to their old selves. And the old Morrison appears before Jimbo uh, runs rampant on stage. Morrison then sits down and says, but doesn't get up. Well, Ray recounts that. Um, he sees all of Jim's psychic energy leave his body. It was this time that Morrison says he is moving to Paris. Corson wants a future with her and Jim and dreams of them settling down with Jim writing his poetry and her running her exclusive boutique. But for her dream to come true, Jim has to first leave the doors. They move to Paris where Jim says that things will calm down. He will relax, stop drinking and concentrate his poetry and, and as Pam dreamt. The band asks when he's coming back, but he leaves on April 7th, 1971. They leave the US and for a while, things are great and going according to plan. Jim's writing poetry. He wanders the streets of Paris. Um, he often goes to the famous cemetery Pereira Lachiche, where Chopin, Chopin, Oscar Wilde, and Edith Pierre are buried. He carries poetry books in a plastic bag and travels the city. <coughs> but with solitude of writing, he doesn't quite give him the kick he craved from performing or rec um, recording. His drinking has continued and he makes a phone call home. Um, Dunn Small picks up the phone before it's a price of hair from him. And Jim says that he's thinking about coming home. Densmore notices that his speech is slurred. Um, Morrison's unwell at this time, so that's a really bad cough. When the cough worsens, Pam makes him go see a doctor who urges him to stop drinking. On the fatal night of July 3rd, 1971, after a hard drinking binge, Morrison takes a bath, and with his last words calling out to Pam, are you still there? Jim dies his bathtub. Um, so what I'm going to do now is just go into some detail about the last day of Jim's life and the events led to his tragic demise. Then I will speak a little bit about where they are now after that, and obviously the influences the band left behind. Um, as I said before, Jim and Pam moved to Paris so that Jim could escape the sex god image and pressure that came with being the lizard king and most importantly to escape Jimbo. Pam wanted Jim to stop drinking and focus on his poetry to become what he wanted. Jim had always seen himself as a writer first and singer second, and he'd always been tired of the sex symbol image and didn't like the tag. I think it's difficult for us to image, uh, imagine just how good-looking charismatic Morrison was. Perhaps as he has become a legend that 
we find hard to imagine him as reality. Um, I think perhaps there was an issue with Pam and Jim's relationship caused by this. Rumours spread that lived in different homes. He lived in a motel near the Doors headquarters and Pam lived in a house in Laura Canyon, which is featured in the Dars Doors song Love Street. People said that their fights were stuff with legends, but I don't think it's a signal of them having a bad relationship. Unfortunately, when you waste a little time, you do get in fights with your boyfriend. I think a lot of this talk is trying to perhaps stir shit up or maybe jealousy of their cosmic bond. Um, people said that perhaps never thought about being with somebody um, on a sort of permanent basis, but they knew that they were the utter love of each other's lives and neither could live without each other and sometimes couldn't live with each other and always knew eventually they'd return back to each other. I kind of see sort of Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton-esque relationship which they had. Um, they were like magnets and half of the same brain as much as they were independent and um, they didn't need and want each other but they were soulmates. Um, so back to Han Morrison's um, looks to fetch his career now. So a fantastic quote from Vice President of Electric Records, Steve Harris. Um, who, by the way, is also really cool. Like, he looks like a friendly mobster. Um, so Harris once said um, about when he first laid eyes on Jim, I took a good look at him and thought, if this kid could read the phone book on key, we're all going to be very, very wealthy. Harris compares Jim to some of the most famously beautiful starlets, but it's interesting because of Jim's interest in movies. And perhaps when this quote took... Um, Morrison took inspiration for shots bombshells to smolder on stage as they smolder on the screen. Um, so Harris describes this. Um, and so he would um, emulate Greta Garbo. He had the look in his eyes of Marilyn Diedrichs, staring you down, shaking his head in his hair like Marilyn Monroe. Mar Harris also comments on uh, Morrison's somewhat androgynous look. I will go into Morrison's legacy after this section, but for now to give you a quote from Harris again regarding his look. He had those masculine traits of the feminine wiles. That's what made Jim unique. Um, Morrison's look was very unique and he could play the pretty boy, but retain the danger that fed his fire. I think perhaps the only contemporary um, similar to the certain look, I think, was Mick Jagger. And before Jagger, maybe Elvis. But Jagger and Elvis didn't have much of a danger and fire that Morrison was, nor did he have, nor did they have his cheekbones. And also, Morrison wasn't a uh, racist and sexist like Elvis. Anyway, the doors were often compared to um, the Rolling Stones, often referred to the US as Rolling Stones, uh, based on popularity, also with the Beatles. Morrison himself was often referred to as prettier than. Jagger are more dangerous than Elvis. Hello, yeah, so I'm back. So I had to um, set up my new USB mic, which is why it's probably sounding a lot better. So, yeah, so we let off uh, talking about um, comparison to Jagger and Elvis. So I'm going to talk about Morrison's last day now. Devastating, and he's devastating, and I'm just going to have a drink. Oh, that's a bit strong. It's a uh, pink Lucasade and tequila thing. It's really nice. And um, yes, yeah, so I'll talk more now about the dark side in which Morrison found with the source of alcohol. So what began as his drug of choice in high school became the disease which would take everything away from him eventually. His band, his life and his help, his girlfriend slash wife. 
And what we learned is that when Jim was good, he was very, very good. And when he was bad, he was very, very bad. Much like the nursery rhyme, but the girl was curling on her forehead. Much like Jim's curly mane. So before going to Paris, Morrison would get so drunk that people would find him on the street asleep. Um, there's a famous story, and I've spoken of it before, when he was like asleep, he, he would sleep outside like um, a whiskey go-go. And then people were like, oh, it's Jim Morrison, man. That's my hippie impression. And then, um, yeah, and they're trying to be like, no, no, I'm fine. Like, I'm, he would just like fall asleep. But I think we've all done that on tube, anyway, on the central line. Um, so I think an issue that led to his intense alcoholism was how people started to perceive him. Morrison's actually a very serious man, not the town drunk, um, for, which was a label people wanted to push on him. As a writer and author, and I'll put the name of the notes, I'm really sorry, um, he states, this is his comment about Jim. When people started to look at him like a drunken fool, but devastated him, basically, you know, Jim wanted to be wild and crazy on stage. He didn't, he didn't know... He not not want to be a fool. So, um, he was also ridiculed. Um, in the words of Ben Fontaz, uh, you should look him up. He's very influential rock and roll journalist and very very smart man. He's a former editor of Rolling Stone. Um, ben states how he was ridiculed by Rolling Stone magazine with a wanton poster making fun of his um. Miami arrest. The incident was a whole, was as a whole acted as a sort of push towards his possible destruction. He was a free spirit um, whom all of a sudden was looking down the barrel of being imprisoned and living a militant discipline in which he could not say about his father and what makes him seek the bottles to nature young man possibly to start off with. He was also under the most pressure. Vince uh, was a road manager, commented on these uncertain times. In many places, police were there for warrant for Jim's arrest. In fact, for the whole group. Group. So, it'd be so much to sneeze the, the wrong way. So, for a king to be under so much surveillance must have been killing him in the inside. It seemed like everyone was just wondering if he would behave, but they were just wondering, like, what was he doing next? Like, for naughty kid in class that you thought was funny, like, oh, what's he going to do now? Uh, with that type of CCTV, like, life would make anyone break, like a double-edged sword. So, let alone watching the demise um of his band's popularity, sorry. As mentioned before, the records were removed from record shelves, and once the darling in rock and roll press, Morrison found himself as America's public enemy number one. Morrison's comment on these times optimistic at this time and commenting, Well, in the realm of art and theatre, I do think that there should be complete freedom for the artist and performer. Another push would be the lack of gigs. Um, booking stopped and certain concert promotions weren't going on because everyone was scared to have them because they were arresting lawsuits and violence which led to mayhem. Uh, don't forget, after the Miami incident, had been had, he had broken 70 rules and looking at 60 days of profanity, six months from indecent exposure, um, but allowed on bail or pending appeal. So nobody really wanted to risk their professional life or their sort of livelihood on him. Um, another example of a gig being of a band sorry, being affected by Morrison's alcohol problems with issues was at a gig in New Orleans in December 1970. Uh, Morrison completely lost it by now. Him, he started, picked up a microphone stand and proceeded to smash a hole in the floor. Um, he went then walked off to the cyber stage right and went to a dressing room and that was it. And John Densmore was not happy about this at all, and he had finally had enough. Um, 
he tossed his sticks on the floor he said that's it never again i'm never playing with him again and he made me never play with morrison in the pub again or go on stage with him again it's very sad um i spoke about before in the episode before about um the wedge that was like not just a band they're brothers like the wedge that his alcoholism took on the whole band was just insane so go back now um, to the very sad day, actually, July 2nd, 1971. Um, so there's a lot of French coming up. I do apologise. I'm not so good with the French. So I'm going to butcher this. But again, I'm going to put show notes for the other episodes also after this comes out. So people can actually understand what I'm fucking saying. But anyway. Um, my cat just looked at me and I swore. I'm sorry. <laughs> Within their third floor... Or American Fourth Floor Apartment in 17 Rue, <laughs> um, Beatrice between St. Paul and Maris and Bastille. Oh. Jim and Pam were trying to exist in domestic bliss. Um, in photographs, they both look happy and healthy, but not always, always how it seems. It's like the Instagram post you see of as couples. Um, they try and make everything look okay, but in reality, we're just fucking sick of each other they break up in a week but they have these filters on and you see them in the kitchen it's like oh or so in love like no they got not no one's in love anyway morrison's having a writer's block and decides to hang out with an old friend for his film school elaine renee who looks really like my dad with less hair let's look at some photos of him it's a bit weird anyway and the two go on a walk through a neighborhood where he sees a decorated star of david catches his eye he thinks pam would like it so he buys it for him um jim likes this neighborhood it's very bohemian um and he felt like he could fit in and like that's why he liked it because he felt like he could fit in there um so with all the fame back home strolling through the streets of paris and not being recognized so much makes it back a dream for jim the neighborhood was called rue de Towns here, and so around the corner from Morrison's rented apartment. Sorry, I'm my nose. Uh, they spend three hours strolling through the streets, having a relaxing afternoon, until Morrison starts to shake in his own world, having frequent hiccup attacks. His friend notices that he is having spasms, but he says that he's okay. He's declining health is due to too much alcohol, so his symptoms make best sense for someone whose body is literally jutting down from alcoholism. And it's happening right in front of his friend's face. Um, I wonder if the excessive drinking caused some sort of neurological damage. Um, looking at healthline.com, I found that seizures and neurological symptoms are related to alcohol-related diseases, which makes sense. I have uh, epilepsy and I can't jerks. When I've had too much alcohol, I get seizures and jerks. So I presume this may be something to do with it. Maybe he, he, he has some sort of damage like that. Uh, Morrison shrugged off these, um, though, shrugs his off, though, and insists that he's okay. Uh, There's going to be a pattern um, in this sort of episode with Morrison. He's having these terrible things happen to him, and he's just like, no, no, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. Um, everyone keeps trying to get him a doctor or hospital, I'm like, no, no, I'm fine. And um, for two continue their day, and around 2 p.m., they end up at the famous Rena- Renaissance Square. Place de Vogos, where Vogs probably, where Jim is again free to walk the streets without being hassled or frowned upon. Before Paris, uh, Jim had put on some weight and had grown a huge beard, perhaps to escape his pretty face image and the damage which had brought to him. Tony Functions, who's a fun guy, 
your chin's bodyguard, drinking buddy. Some fantastic quote to say about his ability to grow beards. Guy could grow a Rasputin rain winter beard overnight. It's a hairy son of a bitch. This is probably my favourite Morrison quote. Um, back in Paris, Morrison had lost most of the weight and he had had a clean shaven face. He was back to not hiding, but trying to celebrate his life talent and himself, it seems. They went back to his apartment in Rue Bellatrice and whilst burning bring up firewood, Morrison collapsed on the stairs. Despite being only 27, Morrison has the aches and pains of a man in probably the, the 80s or probably 70s. And from this point on, unfortunately, there's only 12 hours until he would die. Elaine says he's to leave for dinner, but Morrison begs him to stay for now and have another beer with him. So the two go for another drink at a place near De La Bastille, the department, and an enduring symbol of French or the French Revolution. I've never been to Paris, so all this sounds I would love to go. I've always wanted to go and see his um, grave. Obviously now it's COVID, so not sure how it works, but I think a lot of people stay overnight and they have these cool sort of vigils, so it'd be quite cool to do. He experiences acute respiratory distress and starts to spit out blood. Um, Morrison had a lot of injuries in the past. A mix of his heavy drinking routine must have not helped. He injured himself prior by jumping off a window at the Chateau Marmont in LA whilst doing a Tarzan act off a drone pipe and then he fell and smashed off the shed in the building and seriously injured himself in this fabulous stunt of his. At this point, Morrison should really be at the hospital, but insists he but insists he's okay and continues to drink beer. His friend Elaine leads him at this point. Uh, Morrison then met up with his girlfriend Pam. Again, they look like the perfect artistic couple you see on Instagram. You know, writing poems for each other. Uh, they were roaming the streets of Paris. Um, obviously, she was his cosmic mate, and he was hers. They next went to see a film to get recommended by the friend Elaine. It's called Pursued and it starred Robert Mitchum. Uh, Morrison was a huge fan of Robert Mitchum. Um, but he said that he was underwhelmed by the film and Pam says that he wasn't impressed with it. The couple had been in Paris, Paris for the past four months with Morrison writing and wanting to rest. But he couldn't rest and was on a whiskey and beer diet. It was this night that Morrison, who often frowned upon the stuff, and his entourage and stuff worked hard to keep it away from him, decided to try heroin. Um, Pam was said to have had a heroin problem, and people appeared to think that tonight was night finally caved in. His bodyguard, again, a quote Tony Funches, mentioned he starts on German, her- um, German heroin. This is what he thought. So I don't tolerate smack, pure and simple. So everybody knew um that it could be dangerous to them to bring that stuff out uncle tony would not be amused somebody's going to get hurt guaranteed and he's sort of like nodding his way in a very sort of known ways if he's dealt with people bringing heroin around him before um so you know it's serious unfortunately though on 3rd july 971 uncle tony's not there to protect him people thought it was odd that morrison eventually tried the stuff um as he was sort of staunchly against it he was said that Pam would get involved with things and when she was heroin, but Jim didn't always but Jim always didn't approve, so it was weird to his friends that he would take it. But it's just one of those things. You, you can't always know what happens. Um so while they were taking heroin and getting high as kites, they watched home videos of vacations and shot shooted up heroin in between reels and they played old doors records. 
at 3.30 a.m. after passing out on the couch, sofa, I'm not American, uh, taking too much heroin, Pamela wakes up to find him struggling to breathe. She rouses him and wants to call the doctor, but Morris refuses. Pam still gets high. Pam, sorry, still, Pam, she's still high. She goes off to bed and Jim goes to the washroom, bathroom, sorry, where he draws himself a hot bath. Um, At 4 a.m., she wakes up to the sound of Morrison throwing up in the washroom, bathroom, it was blood. Again, he refuses the doctor and the sickness regresses. He tells Pam to go back to bed and he will join her later, but he didn't quite make it. It's at this point that he slips quietly into unconsciousness. Lightning opening burst to Crystal Ship. Before you sleep into unconsciousness, I'd like to have another kiss, another flash of chance of bliss, another kiss, another kiss. At 6 a.m., his girlfriend Pam wakes up and wonders why he didn't make it back to bed and sh- uh, back to find and find him back to bed. Sorry, back to bed. So she wants to find him, he didn't come back to bed and finds him with his mouth and nose crusty with blood. Pam tries to wake him up. She first thought that he was joking because he would joke about stuff all the time. Um, she cannot phone the ambulance though because she doesn't know how to speak French. So she calls Elaine, who's their friend before, to to call them for her. Before medics get there to the apartment they were sharing in Paris, a fireman, I think his name called Elaine Riche, uh, arrives. Um, he says he describes the water as pink, but he has no idea who the body in the bath is. Before he wasn't dead, though, as he was warm due to the warm water that he was in. They sort of become aware that he is dead, and the estimated time of death is set at 5 a.m. The death certificate states that he died of heart failure, and there's no autopsy done because they thought that no foul play was suspected of his death. And of course, with any high profile death, sorry, with any high profile death, conspiracy theory started straight away. So I'm just going to plug my Mac in. Do it in a second. Um, so it's straight away with fans, and the world was obviously trying to figure out what happened to the party monster Jim Morrison. A famous and well, well renowned conspiracy, which I actually think could be true. Um, sorry, Beverly, just one second. Sorry, elevator music. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think this is actually, just, I, I believe this to maybe be true, but obviously you can never know, you know, I think it's quite dangerous to um, sort of conspicuize if it's dangerous to the people around them. Um, so this is famous and well known, this is what people put most of their sort of truth in. So it's actually a famous club in Paris uh, for the high apps, and to avoid scandal with Stacey's death, uh, um, because he actually overdosed in a bathroom. Um, this theory is actually featured in the book of the end, Jim Morrison by Sam Burnett, um, a French-born journalist and former journalist from the New York, um, New Yorker, sorry, um, from the New York, sorry, club manager and also friend of Morrison. Um, he stated that the famous and well... De- <coughs> sorry, attentive... He just left off a bit when I cough. So what else cats do that? When you sneeze or cough, they just get to go and run off. And when I attend a club, a rock and roll circus club, 
Vetter Cooper connected drug dealers, which Morrison had dealings with, um, that were being protected by the cover-up. Another theory is much like his hero, Jean Arthur Rimbound, as a poet, a writer. Morrison said to fate his death and fled to Africa. Again, this theory um, could be true, also, though there's some many debunking done, which alludes that Gene Arthur Redburn did not actually fake his death and escape the country. There's all sort of hearsay, um, you know, stuff drummed up to create mystery. And I think, honestly, any theory could be true, just due to Morris's personality. Like, he lived big, why wouldn't he die big? And also, the quick time which lashed between course and unfortunately followed him and three years later on April 25th, 1974, at the tender age of 27 too. So, you know, he could have been, he could have faked his death, gone away somewhere, just set it up for two of them, and obviously she would then fake her death and join him. Uh, she died of a heroin overdose in Los Angeles. Um, her death led to a legal battle between her parents and Morrison's parents. Uh, which led to both parties eventually splitting the fortune in half as when Morrison died left to her parents and Morrison's parents and Morrison parents who were and um she and when she died she was given his last name sort of sort of married and um so they were of course in executorship of the estate um, I like how she was given the last name of Morrison. It was her one true love after her death and her plaque where her remains are at Fairhaven Memorial Park in Santa Ana, um, California, reads Pamela Susan Morrison in 1946-1974. But I mean, whatever Morrison is doing now, um, many people shut down the theories as they believe that he is indeed alive. Um, he would not be able to leave a spotlight alone. So if he was still alive, like we would know he was still alive. Which also makes sense as he would not want to be as he would want to be seen and not her. But then again, you know, he went to Paris to get away from it. There's just so many aspects of the story which I think you could like take um you could grasp and follow that thread and come to decisions of your own or but anyway. Um, although a change of character can do interesting things, as I said, you know, he went to Paris with a spotlight. Even if he missed it, he moved there for a reason. Perhaps he isn't hiding. Maybe leading a quiet life somewhere with Pam. Um, maybe the three years to make it plausible, as I said, to get away for Pam to join him in hiding. They could settle down as a couple away from the craziness. Um, Morrison is buried at Perelite Cemetery in Paris, very famous cemetery. Um, with fellow poets and writers Oscar Wilde, Marie de Bangalore, and Marcel Prue. He died two days after Brian Jones from Rolling Stones and nine months after the death of his good friend Janis Joplin. Much like any musician with dreamy eyes, Morrison had multiple paternity actions pending, uh, but none were none which were actually claimed against his estate and did not seem to come into any sort of affluations, I don't think they were true. I think just people looking for attention. After his death, Rolling Stone, who loved him, then ridiculed him, printed his obituary. Ben Fontaine celebrated the rock journalist and talked about it before and his episode because he wanted to write it. This is what he had to say. It had been really important to him to be known as something more than this rock icon, this so-called Lizard King. And I wrote the obituary at Rolling Stone. I thought, why not issue the rock thing in a headline and have him go out as he wanted to be known, James Douglas Morrison, poet. 
Um, so now I'm going to talk about the aftermath. Um, so this is what happened with the band. So as the band, after his death, they continued with Morrison's um, posthumous album, Other Voices, they've been working on with Morrison before his death. So Because they were expecting him to come back from Paris to finish it off. Um, it was recorded from June to August 1971 and was released in October 1971. The single which gained the most attention was called Tightrope Ride. It's a good song with echoes of hope shining through the lyrics and playful riffs. It sounds like a blues song with a very sort of zesty twist. Um, it's a good return for the band, but it's definitely missing something, which obviously we know is Morrison. We have lyrics like this. So, do you think we're all together? Do you think we're all the same? A fan can maybe read into this if they knew that they would never be the same again as a band, as well as a band of brothers. We also mentioned Brian Jones, as I mentioned before, um, Morrison, who Morrison had died two days after in the lyrics. I were by your side, but you but you are all alone, like a Rolling Stone at Brian Jones and Tightrope Ride. The band considered replacing Morrison's vocals, but Morrison replacing vocals, like replacing another singer of Morrison and vocals. Um, but much like times where Morrison couldn't man the accent relate vocals, which he has on this track, and was written by Krieger and Manziak. The band started to perform again on November 21st, 1971, with additional supporting band members. The first gig back was at Pershing... I can't say this, I'm so sorry. Municipal, <laughs> Auditorium in Lincoln, Nebraska, which follows shows in Carnegie Hall at November 23rd, 1971, and for the Hollywood Pavilion at November 26, 1971. The second album after Jim's death was Full Circle, which wasn't as well received as other voices, and the recording took place one year after um, the other voices. This was Spring 1972, was released in August 1972. Um, they toured next, recruiting a bass player called Jack Conrad, um, who also played other voices. They also recruited rhythm guitarist Bobby Ray Hansen. Their tour was in a European tour performing in France, Germany, Netherlands, and the UK. They also played the famed German show Beat Club. Um, if you haven't heard of this, I do urge you to look it up on YouTube. It's very famous. Um, it's a music program. It's run from um, September 1964 until December 1962. The show gained cult status and was at one point hosted by Dave D of Dave D, Dozy, Beaky, Mick and Tish. Uh, made a famous song called Hold Tight. Again, very good band, look them up. And the band decided to call it quits, so in 1973, they continued to be quote-unquote for doors, uh, making several appearances, including their induction to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1973. Manziac, and Densmore collected their award and performed Roadhouse Blue, Break On Through, and of course, Light My Fire. Eddie Vedder filled the huge shoes of Morrison Lee vocals, and Don Wash played bass. The trio also reunited in 1977 to complete Orange County Suite, very good song, a song written by Morrison. So I'm a Catholic and Winoiser. Given on vocals and piano for a box set. Next was a 2000 VH1 story where they reunited to perform. They were joined by Angelo's Barbara and other guests, vocalists, which included Ian Asprey from The Cult, Scott Wheeland. Scott Strap, Perry Farrell, Matt M- Monacan, and Travis Meeks. 
Um, they then recorded music for Stone Immaculate, with music of the Doors, with a tribute album released on November 14th, 2000, by Doors label Electra. It included the recorded tracks and recordings of Jim Morrison. Even the album titles were inspired by the past, um, by the name taken from the song The Wasp, open bracket, Texas Radio and the Big Beat. Close bracket. And the cover um, art painting was done by Rick Griffin. Um, again, look him up. He's a very well-known figure in California 60s. Um, in keeping the 60s powerhouse sort of theme, um, Morrison continued to shape music by being on a song um, which was a pre-recorded vocal performance featured on Satellite Party's track Woman in the Window, releasing in the band's Perry Farrell, who was enlisted to be a guest vocalist for the VH1's Storytellers Live performance. Um, next, the boys really nice recording a new Door song in Manziak's words. I'd like to say this is the first new Doors track of the 21st century. It's recorded with Robert Krieger, John Densmore, and Skrillex Sonny Moore, a former lead singer of emo post hardcore band from first to last of the 2000s. Um, the song was part of a documentary called RE Generation. I have but done it, I need to watch it. Just a very good. So, if any of you have watched it, please let me know what you think of it. Um, it featured DJs and producers that worked with artists representing five dramas. And then both would sort of record new music. Again, I haven't watched the documentary, it's definitely on my list. Um, apparently, Manzik and Skrillex had a sort of musician sort of connection. Uh, Manzik said about his relationship. Sonny plays his beat. All he had to do was play, play for one thing. I listened to it and I said, holy shit, that's strong. He continues to beam about him like a proud father. And basically, it's a vibration of milestones by Miles Davis. And if I do say it myself, it sounds fucking great, hot as hell. The track being um, discussed is called Breaking the Sweat. Probably a lot of people have heard it. It's quite a famous song. And was featured on the infamous EP, Bangarang, released on two, in sorry, 2011. Or oh, 2011, I don't know. Um, Morrison's voice was sampled in 2013. When the band recorded a track with rapper um, Tech and Nine N Tech and Nine, sorry, on the song called Strange 2013, and appeared on his album called Something Else. He had new instrumentation, and a sample of Morrison's voice is taken from the song Strange Days. Um, so finally, unfortunately, before the death of Manziak in May 20th, 2013, um, where he died from a rare cancer called I can't say it's under the um, chronological tsunami. Um, it was basically it's a bile duct cancer. Um, he had gone to Germany for special treatment for it. Um, before his death, he had recounted with Ben Simon that I'll speak about in a second. Then he spoke to McCrieger. He'd even performed a private concert for doctors and nurses. It's very sweet. He was all like, you know, up until his death, this is music for him. He was 74 years old, left behind his wife, son Pablo, who was born um, August 31st, 1973, and three grandchildren. After his death, his surviving bandmates had the following to say in his memory. Figa said, I was deeply saddened um, to hear about the passing of my friend and bandmate Ray Manziak today. Um, I'm glad to have been able to play door songs with him for the last decade. Ray was a huge part of my life and I always miss him. His other bandmate, Densmore, had to st- had say about his friend. There is no keyboard player on the planet more appropriate to support Jim Morrison's words. 
Ray, I felt totally in sync with you musically. It was like we were of one mind, holding down a fountain for Robbie and Jim to float on top of. Oh, miss my musical brother. <laughs> the CEO of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, Greg Harris, also has to say the word the word of rock and roll. Well, sorry, of rock and roll lost one of its grace, the passing of Ray Manziak. He was instrumental in shaping one of the most influential, controversial and revolutionary groups of the 60s. Such memorable tracks as Light My Fire, People Are Strange and Hello I Love You, to name but a few. Um, oh, much to Manziak's innovative playing. Manziak and Densmore reunite again for the first time in 15 years to perform um, in tribute to him and for the charity benefits sent up to cancer. Um, the, the performance was on Manziak's 77th birthday. Also playing at a benefit was John Doe um, from the band X, Rami Jeffrey from Foo Fighters and Emily Armstrong from Dead Sarah and Andrew Watt. Um, a film called Break On Through, a celebration of Ray Manziak and the Doors premiered at Asbury Park Music and Film Festival 2nd of April 2018 and featured highlights um, for the 2016 concert which was in honour of Ray. The film won APMFF Best Film Feature Award at the festival. Krieger and Dunsmore actually formed a new band for Morrison's death. Going back to them playing, sorry. So hiccups in nineteen seventy one they were called the Butts Band. Um this was born out of a desire to find an um a new singer to replace Jim and now able to find one in America, looked over in the UK, and the band was formed in nineteen seventy three and signed with Blue from Records. Um they the band lasted for two albums. One titled Butts Band was released in nineteen seventy three, the same year as being signed. After the second album with this band, 1975, the bassist on the second album, Phil Chen, was then pinched to play in Manziak Krieger, a band formed in 2002 with Ray and um, Robbie. They performed Doors songs, but they were laid in legal issues due to the legal battles with John Densmore. Originally, the band was called The Doors of the 21st Century. And um, they had an ejection filed against them in February 2003 by Densmore. At first, the motion was denied as Manjack stated they had invited Densmore to return to the group and that they still wanted him. But it was reposted that Morrison's and Kruger's family stood behind Densmore. Reporters, sorry. Report behind Densmore. Densmore had said in July 2007 that he wouldn't join unless Eddie Vedder was the lead singer. Initially, the lead singer was Ian Ashbury from the Colt and Anthony Barani on bass. And initially, it was reported that Densmore could not join due to his tinnitus. And he was replaced on drums by Stuart Copland from the police. Um, but due to break his arm, Ben lawsuits, he was replaced by Ty Dennis, drummer from the Krieger's band, from Krieger's band. Throughout the whole thing, Densmore denied um, the fact that they had that he had been invited to join the reunion. The band performed on some high-profile TV shows, including the Tonight Show with Joe Leno, the Late Late Show with Craig Kilburn. Um, in 2008, the decision was made. Oops, sorry. To the mid and Robbie and Krieger's case would not be heard, and after 2009, they changed the name to Manzia Krieger and Robbie Krieger for Doors. Um, John 
Densmore had already had a history sort of refusing licenses for Dort's music, much like Jim. They turned down an offer of $15 million from Cadillac, Cadillac, Cadillac to use the song Break On Through to the other side. He felt that it would be in violation of the spirit of the music we created, he wrote for The Nation regarding this. Um... Yeah, so people lost the this is what he had to say about this. Um, people lost the virginity to this music, got high for the first time to this music. I've had people say Kiss down in Vietnam listen to this music. Other people say they know somebody someone who didn't commit suicide because of this music. On stage when we played these songs they felt mysterious and magic. That's not for rent. Manziak um, next spoke about the subject. We're getting older. We should, the three of us, be playing these songs because, hey, the end is always near. Morrison was a poet and above all a poet once his words heard. When Morrison was asked what he would most like to be remembered for, he responded, my words, man, my words. It seems like they're both coming for the same decision to preserve music, but from different angles. So Densmore sort of took this to be an exclusive way, whereas Manziak was saying, let's preserve music by spreading Morrison's words. So now, as for Pam, after Morrison's death, she flew back to Los Angeles and continued her drug use. Um, she became friendly with Danny Sugarman, mentioned in early episodes. He was her second manager and Manziak later manager of his career. Um, he's written books about the Doors and Jim Morrison, titles including No One Gets Here Out Alive, published in 1980. I've read that's very good. And the autobiography Wonderland Avenue, published in 1980. And I haven't read that, but I'm going to read that, which is his memoir. Um, sadly, though, he recently passed away in January 2005 from lung cancer. Um, he quoted in Wonderland Avenue about um, once upon a time he took Quaaludes and heroin with Corson. As stated before, Corson tragically died on April 25th, 1974, just three years after her beloved. Um, there is a book I really want to um, read called um, Angels Dance and Angels Die, a tragic romance of Pamela and Jim Morrison, written by Patricia Butler. Uh, Morrison seemed um, really like a fun gal. Um, Diane Gardner, her friend, was quoted as saying this about her friend. Pam was, one, Pam was one of the funniest people I've ever met. She was beautiful. She looked like the Snow Queen. And yet she... And yet she... Did things like collect lugas. I know what lugas are. Um, she had a vicious sense of humour. She loved travel because she said you never had to think about it when you were travelling. Um, you were... And you were a tourist. You got up and life happened to you. I liked her. She was the most dangerous girl I've ever met. After Jim died... And we were both just out of our heads. We would do things like go down to Tijuana and get crazy. We'd check into sleazy hotels and go to Risotto Beach and drink everything in sight. One time, the guy that was with us yelled some really bad things to La, P La, La P Policia and they came after us. One guy was trying to take the keys to Pam's new VW away, so I hit him overhead with my shoe, and we had to pay off on our MasterCard. We ran it through at a hotel, and they actually let us charge our bribe. I don't behave like this normally. Pam had that, that kind of effect on me. That kind of effect on me. Pam was immortalised in the 1991 Oliver Stone film, with Dwarf played by Meg Ryan against Val Kilmer's her gym. 
Um, so you point about as a couple, but Bella was truly transcendent. Um, so now I'm going to talk about the influence a little bit. Um, Torture Doors, Jim Morrison had left in the music as well as the world. So along with Bowie, um, acts like Harry Styles would not be really possible. Both way paved their way for the interesting to be popular. Along with Jim's cheekbones and frontman Swaggy is also a tutor of some sorts, educating the world education would be uninterested in poetry and philosophies so you know they sort of pave the way for the strange the odd the interesting to be cool that makes sense so i'm just going to wrap up now because i know i spent a lot of time on this um i so in conclusion like i hope this dive into the magical world jim morris and the doors is good um had to leave a lot out just to cram it in as much as i could and not have episodes like three hours long um, please, you know, be favorite with me. It's my first foray into podcasting. So, obviously, as I get better, obviously, hopefully, the episodes or two. Um, so, now please listen to them. Um, have a drink, you know, have whatever, whatever you want. Close your eyes, listen to People Are Strange, and good night and good luck. And um, once my once I have my weave put, put back in, I'm going to be doing a YouTube video. Um, with sort of musical inspired things like that and just my online panel lessons and stuff like that um but yeah i hope you enjoyed this i'm sorry for the mispronunciations <laughs> and have a good evening thank you bye